millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And on today's episode of Kilowatt, we have an interview with Allison Sheridan and Stephen Yule. Now, I had nothing to do with this interview. Allison and Stephen sat down, and they talked about his Kia Sportage hybrid and why he chose a hybrid over an EV. I think this is a really good example of you should buy the car that works for you and your family that fits your budget. Now, I think we're getting a little bit of a sneak peek here because I don't think Allison has aired this interview on any of her shows yet. So what I would like you to do as the listener, as a thank you, go find Allison's shows. It's No Silicast and Chit Chat Across the Pond. Find those shows and subscribe to them. Just to say thank you for letting me use her content. Because even though I've been on a break, I've been very busy. Uh, and I have lots to tell you about. And hopefully I'll be able to tell you about all the things I've been up to soon. All right, let's go ahead and turn the show over to Allison and Stephen. I'd like to welcome to the show Steve Ewell. You've probably heard his name a bunch of times before. He is the executive director of the CTA Foundation, and he chose an environmentally correct vehicle, but he didn't choose what I chose. And I thought his process was really interesting. I know a lot of people are thinking about if they wanted to get an EV or a plug-in hybrid, what would they do? What's the decision process? So Steve Ewell, welcome to the show. Allison, I'm so thrilled to be here. I love listening to the show and uh, happy to be able to join and, you know, share a little bit of a, a different vehicle than gets uh, coverage all the time uh, necessarily. So glad to be here. Well, before we go on, uh, can you give us your elevator pitch? What is the CTA Foundation? So, yeah, so the CTA Foundation is the charitable foundation that's affiliated with the Consumer Technology Association, probably best known uh, to your audience uh, for the group that runs CES. But our foundation focuses on using technology to help older adults and people with disabilities. So we fund uh, nonprofits all over the country and run several programs uh, looking at 
spreading the innovation and using technology to to make a, a good impact. So thrilled to be here. Uh, but you know, as far as we don't endorse any specific products. So uh, as we're talking uh, today, uh, I'm I'm just talking about what selection I made, uh, not necessarily saying anything good or bad about others. Okay, so this is just Steve talking. This not is just the CTA Steve. Foundation talking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. So uh, you got to start with the problem to be solved, maybe some sort of requirements list. What were you looking for in replacing your vehicle? Yeah, so I had, you know, I'm someone who tends to drive cars into the ground. So I had a, you know, 2012 Toyota Camry, which I was using a hybrid Camry, almost 200,000 miles. And it was running fine, but I was you know, ready to start looking at, you know, where, where I wanted to go from here and, uh, looking at new vehicles. And especially as I listened to you and as I listened to, uh, Bodie and, and others talking about the, the great, uh, vehicles out there, I was like, I think I'm, I may be ready to look at an EV or, or a plug in EV or, you know, look at going kind of that direction. So by the way, the most environmentally sound thing you can do, I understand is run your car into the ground. Right. Because it doesn't have to be built. And the building of these vehicles actually uses a lot of energy and natural resources. So you're already doing the right thing. You started with a hybrid that long ago is impressive and driving it into the ground. Both both good metrics. And and real quickly, everybody, Bodie, he's talking about his Bodie Grimm of the Kilowatt podcast, which is a fantastic EV podcast you should listen to. I completely endorse that as well. And uh, I'm a proud uh, Patreon supporter of both the Nozilla cast and the Kilowatt cast. So really, uh, that's been helpful just to hear the, the experiences uh, that you know, each of you have had your Teslas now, but also Chris Ashley with his Ford F-150 uh, Lightning and others, just the, the various vehicles that have been covered. Yeah, Steve and I kind of had monovision only about Teslas until we started listening to Bodhi and now learning about all of the different vehicles out there. It's, it's really good to understand there's a lot of options, more and more every day. It is amazing to see what is out there. So, but yeah, I needed a, a vehicle, you know, driving into the office for me. Uh, I, I live a bit outside, you know, the, the city uh, here. So uh, I'm about 33 miles, you know, from where I live into the office uh, each way. Perfect. Typical commute distance, right? They always say 30 to 40 miles. That's typical. I- exactly. Uh, only with Northern Virginia traffic, that's like a, an hour, hour and a half drive. But, you know, you're in Southern California, so that probably doesn't sound too bad to you. <laughs> but uh, so I need something that could be kind of fuel efficient to uh, get me back and forth. I need something as well. My wife and I have a farm that uh, she basically runs and uh, we have a cidery there. And so I also mm. needed something that I could kind of pack with a bunch of stuff and, and bring out to the farm and move stuff around. And, you know, jamming all that into my Camry was uh, a little bit of a challenge. So I wanted mulch something in the backseat. Well, yeah, you, you joke, but there was a lot of times there was mulch in the backseat and, uh, <laughs> you know, all kinds of other stuff. So um, I need something that I could uh, really kind of pack with things. I didn't necessarily like I was looking at pickup trucks as well, but I at least needed something with a bit more uh, storage than what I had. You know, I was looking at as far as, you know, we do take a few road trips a year. I have family kind of up and down the East Coast. So being able to to drive and visit them uh, on longer trips. We also tend to like to go out and visit some of these uh, Virginia wineries around here. And mm. they don't tend to be in the areas that have a big you know, charger network. So uh, we were looking at different options as far as making sure that we can get out, but also get back uh, after uh, <laughs> that. And I'm not quite ready to 
fully go self-driving, trusting that to get me home after uh, a winery or two. Uh, we're getting there. <laughs> I, oh, I cannot wait for that day. I, I think, honestly, just from an accessibility standpoint, self-driving is going to be an amazing uh, innovation. Right. That's the dream. That is the dream. Because, you know, if we live long enough, we will all need it. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I think there's some some exciting opportunities there and and looking at some of these vehicles. And then obviously I want something reliable. I didn't want something that was going to be in the shop all the time. So look, did a lot of digging into that kind of data. Um, you know, I have a garage on our house that's not the biggest garage out there. Honestly, my Camry just kind of fit. So I also wanted something, you know, I've several neighbors who just kind of park in their driveway, which I could do, but I really was hoping to get a, a vehicle that would fit in the garage, be able to uh, keep mm -hmm. it you know, safe that way. What kind of price point were you looking at? I was hoping to keep it under 60,000. Uh, that was kind of my, my goal. Okay. You know, and ideally less than that. But, uh, and I did have, you know, I had the trade in, but it, I knew it was kind of an older trade in with a lot of miles. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot there. So really just looking at, you know, what I could get for, for a decent price uh, while meeting a lot of these different criteria. Okay. So a lot of you no know, silicastaways are rabid about their car has to have CarPlay. Are you in that camp? I was interested in CarPlay. I at least wanted something similar to that. You know, with my old Camry, it had a system that didn't always work all that well. So I made it work, but you know, I wanted to, to try that out. Now I had tried CarPlay in a number of rental cars and a lot of them had these little tiny screens that they put CarPlay on. Yeah. So I, 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 I was kind of like, I don't know that that is going to win me over, but I wanted something that I could easily connect my phone into. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts as I'm commuting. Of course, I'm listening to your podcast as I'm commuting uh, back and forth. <laughs> so I wanted to have something that was easy to just control that. And that way, honestly, I always had to kind of like fiddle with my phone uh, to control it, my old car. And I would prefer not to be touching my phone while I'm driving. So having something that projected it up on the, the dashboard was uh, something that wasn't an absolute requirement, but it was kind of up there on my list. Well, I think CarPlay actually is good. I've gone from it's meh to it's good. It's not great, but I do still think it's good. But I think a lot of people's opinions on this are formed by the fact that the old systems we had were so bad. So they went from that to a CarPlay and not realizing there can be things that are also good, maybe not the same good as CarPlay, but you get in your head that like the, everything else must be like the car I used to have. And that's not necessarily yep. true. But anyway, so now you didn't narrow it down between EVs and plug-in hybrids, Originally, right? I was pretty convinced I was going to get an EV. I had, you know, kind of... Okay in my head that I was going to get an EV. I do have a colleague who has the Audi uh, Q4 plug-in uh, and re she really loves mm. it. So I was like, all right, I need to take a look at that. So I had... Open the door to I, that. As I was doing research, I had plug-ins in mind, but at the time it was more of, oh, I guess that's something I should look at. But I was pretty convinced I was going to go the EV route just based on every everything that I had read before I had actually done any real research on this yet. Okay. Now, when you talk about reliability, one of the things I wonder is, my, my father was a big proponent of, he would always say, well, that's just another thing to go wrong, like, you know, electric windows. But, you know, he's right. Every time you add complexity, you add something else. When you have a hybrid, aren't you really getting the worst of both worlds on uh, reliability? 
because you have all of the components of a gas car. So you have to change the oil. You have, you know, you have to do all the things you do with a, with a gas car, but you also have whatever could go wrong in an EV, which is sort of narrowed down some of parts. But now you've got both. You've got all the advantages of both, but you also have the reliability, right? That is absolutely a risk. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the challenges. You know, it's something that I guess having driven a hybrid now, not uh, a plug-in hybrid for the last, you know, 10, 11 years. And I had very, I really had no issues with the hybrid system. Obviously, that's a N of one as far as uh, the, the case, but, uh, you know, that made me a little more comfortable uh, going that route. But yeah, it is something that there, there's potential challenges there. And I'm I'm recognizing that going into this. Okay. So now when Steve says he did research, I I actually thought you you were Bruce used the data because he is such a data nerd when I was I kept getting the two of you confused getting ready for this and cuz when I looked at your spreadsheet it it's how many lines long it's like 150 lines long and it goes to like B N I think in columns on the right so it is a massive spreadsheet of vehicles uh, Bart has a, a spreadsheet as well but it is nothing like the the uh, banana spreadsheet you created. You look well, at, at least online. Cars. I wanted. I basically went through you know as many websites as I could online of what are the top you know electric or plug in vehicles out there. But I also just kind of pulled who are the major manufacturers that you can get here in the U.S. and just went to their sites and mm -hmm. looked at you know uh, was there anything that even remotely appealed to me now. There were several uh, on on my list that put on there. I did a little research, but I knew the minute I saw the price tag that uh, yeah, I wasn't going to get anywhere close to uh, you know being able to afford uh, <laughs> one of these vehicles. Highlight this row in red if above this number. <laughs> I'm big on color coding everything, so I had managed to like put in pricing both for the starting price as well as kind of I'd go in and build on their website what my ideal car would be. Wow. And then if it's over 60, it would be in red. If it was between 40 and 60, it was kind of a blue. And if it was under uh, 40, uh, it would be uh, in green. So I could just kind of easily see, you know, okay, stop looking at that. I know it's really pretty. I know it looks like it has everything I'd possibly want, <laughs> but it also is twice the price. And I think I would be in a lot of trouble if I came home with a $100,000 car. So... There would be words. So we're going to go through line by line every single vehicle. Absolutely. In the I'm then. happy to put your audience to sleep. So <laughs> actually, not to, not to put you on the spot, but would you be willing to share that publicly? I think so. I'm, uh, let me take one quick look at it again, just to make sure there's nothing uh, too personal or anything in there that okay. I don't think there is. But I mean, it's mostly, it's mostly links. I did research into, you know, all the various review websites and their ratings. Um, I started to populate a bunch of the different features. I didn't end up doing that for everything because honestly, I just lost right. attention span and realized I was going to see a bunch of these cars in person. And a lot of things like, like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and all those, it's pretty much universal now. Not everyone has it, but uh, I was finding, you know, as I was... It wasn't a differentiator. No, it was just kind of the, you know, if they didn't okay. have it, they had something similar that would work uh, similar, uh, work similarly. So... Okay. So let me tell the audience, if you see that I have linked to the spreadsheet in the blog post, then he said yes. <laughs> if it's not there, then the, it didn't turn out to be something he was willing to share. I, I probably, think, I would think. So you'd 
You narrowed it down. What what were the cars you narrowed it down to? So yeah, I had originally narrowed it down to I was well, I wanted that F one fifty, but uh, the price tag on that kind of uh, ruled that one out. So, but I oh. really had narrowed it down to the Tesla Y, the the Genesis uh, GV60, and the Hyundai uh, Ioniq uh, 5. I looked at the the Audi as well. And then I was going to take a look at the Kia uh, EV6. So once again, almost all of them were electric, fully electric uh, vehicles. Pure EVs. And then, you know, ultimately, as I was going around testing, actually, it was interesting. I had one dealership uh, that I went to and went to go look at their car. And the dealer talked me out of buying an electric vehicle from them because he was just like, oh, I wouldn't buy an electric vehicle these days. Uh, you know, it's just not the infrastructure. There's hmm. not like all this. And so I was like, okay, well, if you don't want to sell me the vehicle, I'm more than happy to uh, keep moving on. <laughs> I think maybe his manager got on him later because I started getting all kinds of uh, emails uh, from him asking when I was coming back in to look at vehicles. So, <laughs> but when I went to the the Kia dealership, which honestly, I, I really was just looking at the EV6 because I thought it was an interesting car. It was fairly highly rated and it didn't jump out at me when I looked at that car. But while I was there, I was like, you know, I should look at their plugins just to see what they have. That really won me over pretty quickly. The Kia Sportage is the, the plug-in, well, the plug-in version of the Kia Sportage, which is kind of their midsize uh, SUV. And it just had the, it was a bit bigger than a lot of the, the full EVs uh, that I was looking at. So it had a bit more cargo space, uh, which was something that was important to me. Just, I liked the look of it. I thought it, you know, had both the, the outside of it as well as the, the internal setup uh, worked really well for me. And it kind of matched. I mean, maybe it's because the electric range for it is right at that 33 miles, which is what I need to uh, drive into work. Now, I knew I wouldn't necessarily mm. get, you know, that means I might have to pay or do a little bit of gas to get to work. Although, amazingly enough, I've been getting to work with a little bit of charge left. So I'm guessing at some point uh, during my commute, it takes a little bit of gas or it's just getting enough from regenerative braking to... Uh, well, that's what I was wondering, whether you're getting regenerative braking. And it, I, my understanding was it uses electric getting up to speed, but or they, I should say, hybrids, plug-in hybrids do uh, electric getting the low-end torque and getting up to speed, but it might use gas to keep going. No, it can do that. There's various settings. So I have mine mm. pretty much set to operate as an electric vehicle until it runs out of charge and then it will move into more of that hybrid uh, model. You can set it so it works more like uh, what you're describing, where it will kind of start with, you know, electric, but then move over to, to gas at, at various times. So that's the other thing. Maybe it's the, the techie in me that, but <laughs> this vehicle has so many settings. Like you can dive in and, you know, adjust the, you know, the color scheme inside and, you know, what's showing up where on the dashboard. And I also liked, I think mm -hmm. you had talked on one of your previous podcasts about having custom buttons. This has a couple buttons uh, in the vehicle. There's one on the, the steering wheel. There's another kind of on the like center console area and another in the, in the kind of main display. Um, that you can actually customize what those buttons do. Now, I wish it was fully customizable. Basically, for each one, you can go into a menu and choose from like 
eight different options for for what those uh, buttons can do. That's still pretty good, but you want it, you want it to be all of them. <laughs> oh, I, I want to be able to fully say, uh, you know, run a macro when I press this button. Uh, probably don't want macros running on my sure. car, but uh, shortcut support. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, it's one so of those. I, I do want to tell the audience something. I keep forgetting to tell them after the most recent time that I complained about the fact that I can't use any kind of button to control uh, the temperature in my car that I have to use the touchscreen. Uh, Tesla came out with an update that does allow you to assign a, a, one of the buttons on the steering column to change the temperature. And I think there's a couple of different things you can change it to. I don't think it's as many as eight. The sad part is because Steve and I are on the, the beta track for, for full self-driving. We haven't gotten that update yet. So Pat Dengler's got it and Bart's got it and Stefan Lesage has it. Mark Pauly has it. All these people have it and they're all excited. They're changing their temperature with a thumb wheel. And the one person who complained the most about it doesn't have it yet. <laughs> Yeah, but it's coming. That, that's the way it goes uh, when you're on that cutting edge. Right. Hey, so let's back up just a little bit. We're getting a little bit into the weeds. Describe the Kia Sportage. I've never seen it. Is it a car? Is it a truck? What is it? So it's an SUV. So uh, it's kind of the midsize SUV for Kia. It is kind of two rows of seats. So it's not, uh, it doesn't have the third row, but has a nice big you know, back area uh, as far as, you know, storage and, and cargo space. Uh, because it is a, a plug-in hybrid versus full electric, I don't have the frunk. I, I was kind of looking forward to a, a frunk, <laughs> but uh, but it's got plenty of uh, space as far as kind of a, a, in the back area. You know, as far as, you know, design of the, the vehicle, it's got, you know, it kind of has the electric, the LED, you know, front lights and back lights and everything. So it's, you cool know, looking. Uh, stands out a little bit, although you see so many cars with I know, those that's now. that's cheating. That used to be how you could tell if something was an EV, and now it's like the, the gas cars are doing it. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, now, I, my father was asking me to uh, be able to explain, you know, how he knows uh, a Sportage that's electric versus one mm. that's not. And honestly, the only way he'd be able to tell, I think, right now is mine has, it looks like gas entries on both sides of the vehicle because one side is the gas, <laughs> one side is the electric plug-in. Uh, otherwise, it would only have the one. So you'd but, have to cir- encircle the car to be able to tell if it's a, a plug-in hybrid. To tell if it's the plug-in hybrid okay. or not. But yeah, so yeah, it's it's your typical SUV, but uh, I... I like the the setup. It's pretty. I just look up a picture. Okay, so you can go the thirty three miles on electric, pretty much. Uh, What about your full range with the with gas? Have you tested that out yet? So I haven't necessarily tested it fully. I've done a couple uh, road trips. Uh, In fact, actually, that's one of the nice things is I've now had the car two months and driven about twenty four hundred miles, and I've just I just put in my third tank of gas to to the vehicle. So and two of those were because I took a road trip to Richmond uh, for a weekend, and so I topped it off uh, to go down there and then refilled it coming home. So I think. When I fill it up, it tells me if I have both a full electric charge and a full gas charge. It's got like a 450 mile range, something like that. I like how you just called it a gas charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm moving over to the electric. Well, yeah, the world. words get hard. Like you want to say, I press the gas pedal. Well, no, it's, is it in your car? What is it? Is it, We'll call it accelerator. I, I was going to say, I think at this point it's an accelerator. But yeah, so I, I you know, 
It's not a big gas tank. I think they do that just from a, a weight weight issue. You said so. it had 400-mile range on gas. So, yeah, it's about that. It yeah, not a big gas tank? My last gas car was 300. It's 11.1 uh, gallons. So I know when I've tried to so fill it. So it's got good mileage. Because it moves into hybrid mode when it's not doing full electric, it does have you know pretty good you know miles per gallon on, on the so gas. So that's a big advantage. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because that's not a very big tank at all. I think mine was 15 gallons. And, and I mean, if I got 300 miles, 320, that was a good, a good tank. But that that yep. was mostly around the city. So, uh, whatever, what other high tech features does it have? So, I mean, this one does have uh, you know all the you know what you'd be looking for as far as uh, it does have the Apple CarPlay in there. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do like about it though is it's got a really long kind of display for that. So. You're able to, you know, Apple CarPlay has where you can put like multiple apps on the screen at once. So you can have your, you know, ways going for maps while having your podcast going. Um, it always seems to insist on putting whatever's next on my calendar on there, even though I don't want to know. I really wish I had more control over what shows up where, uh, there. I think that's an Apple thing mm. as far as, you know, being able to control all that. But because it's such a big screen, it doesn't feel like it's cramped and, and little. It's really easy to to see and control everything on there. So uh, that goes really well. That's been my biggest complaint with CarPlay is is I feel like crammed all this stuff together and you've got little tiny boxes of stuff. And again, most of my experience, actually possibly all of my experience has been in rental cars. The, the one exception being yep. the Chevy Bolt had a nice big screen, which is you know crazy in a $28,000 car. So they could be doing it in the other ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, that was my experience before it as well. So I wasn't sure, um, you know, about going that direction, but this one really kind of won me over. It does have uh, a lot of like, you can adjust the modes of driving. So I tend to leave it in eco mode, which does give you a little better miles per gallon. But if you want to, you can go into sport mode and got a little more, you know, pep to it coming off the, the line and all that. It's not a Tesla at all. Uh, that was the one thing I definitely noticed I was given up by not going with the, the Tesla is just the, the horsepower, uh, of, you know, being able to, to start up when the, the light goes green. Uh, but it's, it's got a decent amount. Let me describe that a little bit to people and have you tell me what your experience is like in the Kia. The, the interesting thing about driving an EV and most of my experience in EVs has been on, on the Tesla is that it's, it's a linear torque curve. So you know how in a gas car you start to accelerate and it, and it kind of goes and it, it, it jumps up. You can tell the curve is not linear. It go, it, it kicks in on the electric vehicles. It's just linear. You just press on the pedal and there's a direct connection from you to going faster and the acceleration is phenomenal on it. So even if the acceleration isn't phenomenal in the mode that in modes that you're talking about, is it still that, that linear feel or do you feel more like with a gas car? It depends on whether you're running electric at the time or if you're running on the gas at the oh, time. So you don't so know what you're going to get. when it's on gas, you can de- – well, I mean, if you know you have electric charge, you're going to okay. get the electric unless – I mean, you can kind of shut it off or tell it you want to run gas. The only time I would think of doing that would be if I haven't filled up my gas tank in a really long time. Uh, you need to burn now, the some. Deal- dealer said that it could probably go about six months – with the the gas in there and supposedly the car's smart enough that it knows to start burning more gas uh if you need it, to gas gets to do that. stale right yeah 
Yeah, and I don't so, understand what stale means. Do you know, is it a chemical decomposition in some way? This is over my head. I don't know. I know there's you know various treatments you can use for it, but you know, and evidently it's a pressurized tank, and that's supposed to help prevent it from getting stale. Water vapor or anything in there. But yeah, I you know I kind of have it in my head that. I'm going to be a little more conservative. And if I haven't filled up my gas tank in three months or so, uh, I'll probably plan to uh, go to a winery. <laughs> exactly. Go out, have some experience. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately need to fill up the tank. But if I only have to fill up the tank quarterly, uh, I think that'll be uh, That's a win. Uh, I'm happy with that. So Yeah. Now, there's another question. Somebody was just talking to me yesterday. We got a chance to see a, a Rivian. And uh, we ended up talking about all kinds of different cars. And you have to change the oil as well on your car. Is that right? I do. So but you that have to was... know to do it, even though you haven't you haven't driven the, on on gas very far. Yeah. So that is you know one of the other downsides that I was looking forward with an EV of not having much maintenance at all. Mm-hmm. But because I have the the gas engine as part of it, I do still need to do the various maintenances, change the oil, do all that. That's important for people to remember, right? Is that even if you're not using the engine very much. So I assume that you would not need to change the oil very often because usually it's because you get little shavings of metal as the gears are hitting each other and stuff that affects the uh, quality of the oil. But my understanding is just it's sitting in there for a long time. You need to change it too. Yeah. So usually okay. they, based on time, they also, I mean, and how often they want you to do it versus how often you absolutely need to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm not a mechanic. I won't, you know, say for sure, but, but yeah, you still need to, even if you're pretty much only running an electric, my sense is you still need to change the oil every so often. Yeah. My father-in-law really instilled in Steve and me that you really want to change the oil as often as they say, like they say every 3000 miles, we used to do it every 3000 miles and that you just, if you want your car to last a lot longer, it's a good idea to actually do, you know, it's it's not like how often they tell you to floss at the dentist or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) So back to electronics, what about cameras and things like that? So yeah, it's got the surround sound cameras. Now this was or surround, no, surround sound, sound. <laughs> <laughs> the surround cameras, the 360 cameras. And this is something my wife had in her car. And I really kind of fell in love with that and said, you know, that was something that was high on my list to get because just pulling into a, and I don't know, it's one of those things I've been driving for many, many years now and uh, never needed it. But once you have it, it just, it's so nice to see, oh, yeah, I'm well within the lines and, you know, not, you know, have plenty of space behind me. I'm not sticking out of the spa- spot at all. More cameras is safer, yeah. right? More views. Oh, absolutely. Fewer blind spots. So, yeah. So it, it uh, I really like that feature. Um, it also has all like so many of the different like safety sensors of like if you go to try to back out and someone's coming down the, the parking row, it'll beep at you and stop you. And uh, okay. same if you are pulling forward watches for pedestrians, it will yell at me if I'm, you know, moving out of the lane the, the wrong way and and all that kind of stuff. So it's got a lot of those kind of safety features uh, built into it. Um, I feel like so that... The, the little kid on a tricycle is going to live. Yeah, I, I really hope so. He's backing up. Right. <laughs> what about uh, driving on the highway, automatic cruise control, any adaptive cruise control, that kind of thing? Yeah, so it does have... It's got the automated uh, lane assist, so it'll keep the car within the lane even as the okay. road is... That actually 
uh, you know, driving home from when I picked up the the car, I ended up picking it up from a place that was a couple hours away. So I was playing with that the whole, it now it yells at you if you try to take your hands off the wheel uh, as you're doing that. But it was amazing how well on some fairly windy roads, it was sticking right to the the lanes. It also has its highway drive assist, which basically takes that lane assist and then adds kind of the adaptive cruise control to it. So, you know, it will adapt to what the car in front of you is uh, doing to keep a, a proper space there. I wouldn't say it's, um, you know, like Tesla's uh, self-driving uh, at this point. That's most of the features that we use, though. To be honest, is the staying in the lane and the adaptive cruise control. Now, in our cars, if you're in true stop and go traffic, it'll come all the way to stop and actually accelerate back up as uh, cars start to move. Does yours do that? It has something like that. I think depending on how long you're stopped at some point, if you're stopped for too long, I think it kicks out of that mode. Oh, Honestly, I haven't really experimented with that all that much. There's so much construction going on on our roads right now as I'm driving <laughs> into work that I'm still not convinced I fully trust it around all the you know right. orange cones and everything. So I'm usually maintaining control as I'm I'm doing that. But I know there there is some features there, but I don't want to say for sure how well or it, well it doesn't work. Okay. Okay. What about uh, any kind of remote control? So, yeah, that was something that, you know, well, there's a couple different things there. One, um, the guy that was selling me the car kept highlighting, you know, with the app, you can remote control this uh, vehicle and you can turn it on even if you're like at an amusement park and it's way out in the the you know parking lot. You can turn on the vehicle, get it started. I was like, I don't know that I want to do that, but I guess there's well, a use. Maybe case. you want it to not be 2000 degrees when you get inside. That That is true. So uh, but so it does have that. But uh, then it has with the key fob, you can actually back up or pull forward the the vehicle. So basically, if you're in a really tight parking spot, you can get it to kind of pull out for you. You can get in and then drive off. I've experimented with this kind of at home in my garage and and driveway. I haven't quite pulled the trigger on trying that in the (laughs) real world yet, uh, mostly because there was one, actually, we were out at a a concert and I was looking at doing this, but the line of cars trying to get down uh, was so long. I didn't want to be there trying to play with this and get it working, uh, you know, blocking traffic. So uh, I haven't really tried it out in in the wild yet. But I've only tried that twice in my car. And it was because I had to, because some bozo parked, you know, a 16th of an inch from the driver's side and I just pulled my car out. Interestingly enough, I've tried to do it in my own garage and it's, I have a lot of trouble with it. And I think it's because of the cellular signal confused with the Wi-Fi signal because the car's still inside my, my garage. And so it's hit or miss whether it works. But the, both of the times I actually needed to get it out, it was there for me. So it was, it was good to have, I think. Yeah, it seems like it's a nice feature. So yeah, I've, I've liked that. I'll tell you one other feature I really love about the car, the cooled seat. So I'd had heated <laughs> seats before, but I had never mm-hmm. tried cooled seats, the ventilated seats. That is, I mean, it gets hot and humid here in Virginia. And I, that feature alone, I think, stands out to me. It seems like it's That's very funny. basic, but I love it. My son just got a Honda, which is, what is their minivan called? Odyssey. And it has cooled seats and he lives in, in Houston. He is a fan. Oh, I would imagine. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> fans on your fanny. Yep. So we've been talking all great things. What There's got to be some downsides to the car. 
Yeah, balance it out a little. I mean, certainly there's things that, you know, are, are kind of little pains uh, about the, the vehicle. You know, I'll tell you one thing that, like I said, I ended up going a couple hours away to pick up the car because there's actually not a lot of them available. I ended up using their website mm-hmm. to look and basically pull up every car from New Jersey down to North Carolina to find, you know, who had them. When I showed up to get this car, I didn't realize it was this matte paint, which I've seen a bunch of cars on the road with this matte mm-hmm. paint. Uh, and I was like, okay, fine. It looks okay. I'm, I'm good with it. But then they make you sign a whole nother document saying how to take care of matte paint. And you can't go to a car wash to wash your car. You need to get special soap really? and microfiber and whatever else. And here I am thinking every weekend I'm driving out to a farm on a dirt road. So we'll yeah. see how long this paint lasts. I don't know, but wow, I, that I'd, know. I'd never even heard of this. Yeah. So I, huh. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't mind the look of it, but they made don't me think delicate paint. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, if anything, I want uh, more hardy paint, not uh, more delicate paint. But so that's one kind of a little annoyance. Um, it did come with the tire mobility kit basically a patch system instead of a spare is it that goo that squirts on the yeah. inside of the tire yeah exactly and it seems like from from doing my research a lot of evs and and plugins are going that route just because it reduces weight in the car yeah well you're one step ahead of the tesla we didn't get a spare tire and we didn't get a tire mobility kit we had to buy that separately for another 200 dollars. so yeah uh, you know we only paid 70 grand for the car why would we get something like that for free <laughs> well when i test drove the tesla and asked about that they basically said well you know you're just going to call and someone will eventually show up and i was like okay so you know if i have a flat tire i can't just get on the way myself but yeah so that you know, at least I guess I do have the kit to to patch, but uh, that is something that, you know, if I had my way, I would have still had the, the spare. Yeah. You yeah. know, one thing, and once again, this is in, I think, all EVs now, but when you back up, it's got the, the backup beeper, mm-hmm. which from working in accessibility, I'm fully on board with. Uh, I don't want, you know, I don't want anyone to walk out and back at me, even if my car should know to stop. I will say, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning when I'm backing out of my garage and wondering how my neighbors feel about my, (laughs) you know, backing up truck, not quite that loud, but that is something that I've always a little self-conscious of. I feel like I'm the Big Mac truck uh, backing up in the the morning. (laughs) What's, uh, What's charging like? Charging, that's probably the one other area is... It only does level one and level two charging. So, so not to a DC fast charge. Yep. So it doesn't, it, does, do DC fast it doesn't do the DC fast, or at least I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I don't have a connector for that. There may be some kind of adapter, but I haven't figured that out if it does. But, you know, level one charging is even though it's, you know, much smaller battery than uh, a full EV it's still pretty much charging overnight. So that's, when you say level one, that's just off the 110? Plug it into a 110. And, you know, actually, when I first got it, it it comes with a level one charger. And the charger, you can actually adjust the, the wattage on it. And I didn't realize that at first. So I plugged it in and ran it for about 24 hours and it hadn't fully charged because it was down on this like really low trickle charge level that, Oh. Basically, just kind of, I guess, keeps the battery um, slowly charging. But, you know, once I realized that and adjusted the setting, um, you know, it basically is, I think, like six or eight hours. It's overnight to to charge that way. Now, I have... Do you know, do you know what your battery capacity is? That's a good question. I know I've 
seen that and I'm not remembering. It's probably in your spreadsheet, right? Uh, it's probably somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not remembering it off the top of my head. Now, level two charger, we have one of those at my office and I'm looking at installing one. So level two one. charger is like uh, 220. Yeah. And maybe 40 amps. Yeah. Something like that. And that it'll charge fully in you know, probably about two hours. I think it averages about two hours. So, you know, once again, it's not something where I can just like stop on the side of the road and and charge unless I'm doing kind of a longer stop somewhere. So like when I took the road trip down to to Richmond, you know, the hotel we were staying at had a, a charger. So I plugged it in there and was able to, to charge uh, fairly quickly there. But it's not, I mean, as much as people talk about being able to charge on a road trip, it's a little bit long, even if I find level two chargers to you know, have to stop two hours each time to, to charge it. And then that's the other thing I realized about the plug-in hybrids, because at first I was a little worried of, I've been fully charging this vehicle. And, you know, I know with EVs, you don't necessarily want to fully charge it all the time. Turns out the way the plug-in hybrids tend to work is the battery actually has more capacity than what they're necessarily showing you. So when you're fully charging it, it's actually at that about 80% level, at least according to what I've read online. Okay, well, that's that's better to, to trick you in that way because it, it turns out it's bad for batteries to be charged to 100%. That's a, yeah. a thing. So we do it before we go on a long road trip, but the rest of the time it, we keep it set at 80. Yeah, so essentially when I think I'm fully charging the vehicle, it it still has potentially some capacity. I just don't have access to that uh, right. additional. But still, capacity. level two in two hours, that, that, that is a little, that's got to be a little bitty battery because ours takes a lot longer at level two. So the DC fast charging is definitely a better deal. Yeah. Well, it sounds like this is a this is a really nice car, really nice alternative. It gives you the size that you were looking for with all the, the storage. You've got the advantages of being able to drive to work without using any gas, but you can, on the spur of a moment, decide, okay, we're going to go to a vineyard, and you've got the range with the gas assist in that case, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, this is, uh, I've been very happy with this vehicle so far. So, Oh, and how much did uh, it cost? Oh, did it uh, the 60K? It, it, no, it was 43. 43? So 43, wow. and that was, I think, before, you know, trade-in and all that kind of stuff. 43 out the door, or is that before tip and tax? So that's before tip and tax. And I think actually, ultimately, it ended up being about 43, uh, you know, once I got my trade-in uh, taken off, but then all the, the tax and all that stuff added on. One thing I will say, if anyone's looking, at, and I don't know if this is just Kia's or if other, I assume other dealers do this as well, but the first dealership I went to to buy uh, from, they had what they called a market adjustment fee. Uh, basically, there's a lot of demand for electric vehicles in Northern Virginia. And so they actually wanted an extra $10,000 for the car. Oh. And so I was like, I'm, I'm not paying $10,000. And they were not willing to negotiate uh, on that. But what I found is every dealership sets their own fee. So there mm. was one other I went to nearby and they were at like, I think it was like $3,500 for their uh, adjustment fee, which was better. But when I went up to Pennsylvania to buy the car, I learned that you know when you go to an area where basically the dealer even told me he can't sell an EV where he is. Oh, <laughs> they had no market adjustment fee. He was, you know, happy to, oh. you know, get it off the the lot. I think um, so. You know, that was wow. an interesting kind of lesson learned as I, 
you know, shopped yeah. around a little bit uh, for for the vehicle. No, I learned from uh, Chris Ashley when the Ford F one fifty first came out. A bunch of uh, dealers were starting to tack on ten, twenty thousand dollar fees, and Ford came down and slapped them and yeah. said, "No, you're not." Yeah, and I, I mean, thought that was really interesting. I, th- that impressed me that Ford said no. I mean, I would imagine for the vehicle manufacturer, I mean, that suddenly all these vehicles, you know, if they get the reputation for being too expensive and it's all because of these extra fees added on, uh, that's not good yeah. for them. So, right, uh, right. And, and of course, they don't get any of that extra market adjustment fee. <laughs> but I think what they did was they said, okay, fine, you can do that, but you aren't getting another one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be the only one you ever sell. So, yeah. not a good deal. Well, this has been very cool. Well, uh, you've got a, a pretty good write-up on this that we're going to uh, publish as well. And uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. I think this is cool. I like learning about all the different alternatives because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very brand loyal. Once I, I mean, the chances of me changing out of Tesla, well, given certain circumstances, possibly, but I tend to buy one kind of thing and then I just stick with it forever. I only ever owned Hondas and Acuras before this car. So uh, well, I, I like learning about things that I don't know anything about. This was very cool. Yeah, well, happy to share, uh, you know, share a little bit of an alternative here. And uh, yeah, I mean, there were, like I said, it came down to me between the, the Kia and the Tesla were my final two. And I think I would have been very happy either direction. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, I think I, I found the car that was the right fit for me. Very cool. Now, if anybody wants to chat with Steve more about this or anything else, he's pretty active in our Slack community over at podfeet.com slash Slack. That's perfect. I was going to say, I'm not as active on the various socials any anymore, but yeah, Slack is a great place to find me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
All right. I want to thank Allison and Stephen for sitting down and having such a great chat. Again, I, th I said this in the beginning of the podcast. This is a great of a, a great example of why I think I flubbed the line then too. This is a great example of why you should buy the car that fits your needs and not be pressured into something that doesn't necessarily fit your needs. So yeah, it was a, it was a good interview. And Stephen is a, a listener and a contributor to the show. So thank you, Stephen, for doing that. I'll go ahead and drop the links to Allison's website, which is podfeet.com. And I'll also drop a link to the Podfeet Slack as well. All right, everybody, that is it for me this week. And when I say that, it's literally, I've only recorded for about four minutes today. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Again, if you want to, um, if you want to thank Allison and Stephen for putting this together for us, go and subscribe to Allison's shows. I'll also, I'll, I'll, I'll also drop Allison's social media information in the notes as well. All right, everybody. Thank you so much again. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And on Friday, we get back to talking about EV news. I'm really excited about it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.